Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Off-Topic Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm Monsoon on the Boards, and, uh, fellas, maybe I should stop calling this the Off-Topic RPG Fan Podcast, because literally we have a different topic every episode. We do. It's it's a bit of a misnomer. I should I should you know rethink how we fr- how we frame this at the beginning of every episode. But you're gonna, you're gonna step on Rob's toes if you call it the off-topic podcast. Isn't yeah. that what random is? <laughs> I was gonna say we can't sort call of. it the random podcast. Yeah, it, it's I mean random is the current events podcast, and we are the not current events podcast. But that I I don't I don't know. It's well we'll, we'll have some discussions about this. I'll uh, I'll message Rob sometime. But anyway, those two voices you heard. Um, it, briefly are my two co-hosts for today first of whom is peter treisenberg hey everybody peter treisenberg i have fury on the board and last of whom only by coincidence not last in my heart is rob fenner (laughs) i smell like i sound i'm lost and i'm found and i'm hungry like the wolf oh my god (laughs) that is one of the best intros i've ever heard on this podcast i'm so jealous it's topical. I don't even like that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you uh, you can bust it out again if we do like Okami in a year and a half or something. <laughs> so I smell an outro. <laughs> but we are not here to discuss Okami, even though I would not object to having that epi- that game be discussed in a future episode. We are here to discuss uh, Shin Megami Tensei, Digital Devil Saga, Avatar Tuner Part One. But this is a Part Two podcast of a Part One game, which is. A little confusing to parse in my head, but uh, the game is the Digital Devil Saga 1, and this is our second episode on that topic. Now, okay, fellows, I have to admit, I've had a very busy couple of weeks, both in, in my personal and work life and in writing RPG fan things, so I was not able to finish this game this time. I got to, uh, I saved just after some cutscenes after the Ravana boss fight, and that's as far as I got. But I, I have beaten this game before, so I am prepared to discuss the ending and uh, and endgame scenarios and a little bit about what the, may happen in the sequel, which I have not played. And uh, so, exactly where are you on um, on playing this game for the podcast? Starting with Rob. Uh, I am exactly where you are. Um, I knew that I was All not right. going to... I knew that I was not going to make it to the end this time, um, and I was, you know, flailing, uh, getting through um, Ajna uh, and beating Ravana just before recording here. Um, and over the past fifteen minutes, I just, you know, reacquainted myself with uh, with the end game and the events of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, like yourself, I've beaten this before, so um, I feel like I can still talk about it, even though um, that was quite a long time ago. But um, it's it's regretful that um, that we weren't able to make it this time. But um, I think we're adequately prepared anyway. Yeah, I think I think we can still have a good discussion, even if uh, we haven't finished the game. And uh, um, Peter, around how far did you get? I am uh, starting the attack on the brutes. Um, so right after right after we met Lupa. Okay. Um, like um, I said, I didn't really. I, I had to. I I've had a also had a very busy couple of weeks and haven't really had time to catch up. Um, which well, I do uh, actually want to bring up li- later. A couple things about the game's design. All right. Well, uh, um, I mean, Ravana is is the boss at the end of the brute space. So, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. At the end of wait, no, no, yeah, the end of the brute space. Yeah, the brutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, for, I was confusing the brutes and wolves for a second. So, um, you're probably only maybe 90 minutes behind where uh, Rob and I are. 
so we'll, gosh, we can, those dungeons are big. <laughs> they are. The, yeah. And the thing is, I think architecturally they're maybe just medium sized, but you're always back. You're always going back to save points and um, in sort of doing that dragon quest, me- get as far as you can, then escape and uh-huh. and uh, and you know measure your progress as best as you can thing. So they seem bigger than they are, and they're already pretty big. Well, yeah, like, we... sorry, Peter, okay. go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I was, I was actually, I, I, I was say I can get into one of my design things now. Then, yeah, go which for is it. Just that, uh, well, dungeon design in RPGs, I mentioned before, is like just it's something of a lost art, and I really appreciate this game's level design. But um, it's at the same time, it's also like, it, it's it's also kind of hard to go back to sometimes. It's like. These are these super labyrinthine dungeons, um, lots of backtracking, uh, lots of um, lots of high random encounter rate, and it's, it's a Shin Megami Tensei game, so sometimes if, if you get caught off guard in one of those random encounters, it's a trip to the game over screen, and you better have saved yeah. uh, recently. It can make those, and those dungeons, um, yeah, like you're going to devote an entire play session like per dungeon. Yeah, mm. it's um I mean, it's probably even worse in Nocturne, but just one enemy critical hit can just sink like can you can lose uh 2 hours of gameplay just from that. And I I also agree with you. I think that these are cool dungeons, but the size of them compounded with the high random encounter rate turns them into slogs and for real. Uh, it it's it's really hard to balance that. And I uh, I'm and maybe this is it was intended to be this difficult by the game's designers, but like you know, balancing the like the size of our de- of the dungeon with the cool me- with you know the mechanics of the dungeon, with uh, the you know the uh, density and challenge level of encounters in the dungeon, those are all things that these game designers have to think about, and it's not an easy task making dungeons that feel meaningful and not uh, too hard or too easy. Like I don't know, oh I'm, I. I'm totally at a loss thinking of the perfect RPG dungeon right now, but it, it, like uh, it, it's it, it it's they're they're balancing a lot of plates in that task, and I think that the dungeons in DDS are really good, but again I know and I I was a broken record on the previous episode talking about this the random encounter rate is a problem, and oh a, and, 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 and a perfect and in a perfect world we would have a slider and a fast forward button oh. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask, I wanted to mention those items that uh hmm? reduce the random encounter rate, like that last like maybe ten seconds. Yeah, <laughs> <But> they also <laughs> only they're, they're they're worse than Pokemon repels. I mean, come on. Yeah, and they only fend off uh, low level demons too, don't they? So if you're in an area that you're suited for, it's not even going to do anything. At least I don't think so. Yeah, it's just like what's even the point? They have the items that uh, that boost the encounter rate if you really want. Uh, which I've I've used a couple of those just to grind for experience outside one of those um shards that replenish your health. Get but, those uh, Arahabakis. <laughs> yeah, the, um, I, I was trying to remember their name in the previous episode, but the Phoenix enemies in the secret compartment in the brute space are Horuses. Oh, okay, the, like the, these... the Egyptian bird. Yes, well, the, the mean, very very bright one. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a very very bright one. In a, I mean, in Egyptian myth, Horus is usually a uh, a man with a bird's head with a bird's head. But in this, um, in SMT, it's a very very shiny golden phoenix looking thing. Mm-hmm. And it's I, a palace palace swap of uh, Hezrevelger, isn't it? Oh, man, it may it might be. I'm I not sure. I think it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the other big money EXP uh, karma. Um, 
enemy in the game, and I use those repels to fight it because if you do, if you use them, then it'll be the only enemy you encounter in that room. And so, uh, like th those uh, horses and arhabakis are the are the XP grinding enemies in this game. Hmm. But arhabaki might be easier because they they just get wrecked by Kositus. Yeah, is that how you say that? I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's. A, I always said. I always said Coctus, but I've never actually. You know. Well, it, uh, I mean, it's it's a. I think it's a. Uh, it's it's a location. It, prob in, it probably is Casitas, isn't it? I've heard it pronounced Cocytus before, but it's a location in Hades that's like sort of a frozen hell, huh. and uh, I'm so is it probably should have a Greek K on it. I'm not. I'm not ah, sure how. It's yeah. I'm not sure it how does it's. Have a Greek K. I'm not so sure like how it's it pronounced. It looks like it would be Kokitos from the uh, Greek that I'm very b barely familiar with. It's I I don't I don't know because also like the Greek K can be hard or soft. I'm, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how it goes. Again, mm. so it's uh, but it, it is I mean that spell is what uses uh, I think you learned it from the what's the special King class? Frost I think. Yeah, is is it called King Frost? Because I know you fight the King Frost enemy to get it. Uh, is that what the I class is called? I don't remember. I don't think it is. Okay, it, well, you fight, you, you fight the side quest to beat King Frost, and he gives you a special class, and then you can learn Kokitos or whatever the, that spell is. Oh, yeah. What, that, is, um, what level should you be for that quest, out of curiosity? Because I have found like the, the pyro jacks that are just floating around with the giant treasure chest. That um that one's not very challenging if you um yeah that's it, the easiest if if, okay. you, if you equip some ice defenses on your characters then you it's it maybe even laughably easy, uh so you can probably do it you you might be ready for it now uh the the ones you have to be worried for are the uh the I mean the, the Beelzebub quest and the Su Ling quests are the sort of the end game starter ones. And then there's the the demi fiend, which is oh boy, <laughs> just don't even <laughs> you, like, you don't maybe, get anything for like, it. <laughs> maybe watch it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I just watched it on YouTube. It was a 38 minute video, oh, and it was geez. just that battle. <laughs> and that was probably that guy's 38th attempt as well. Um, probably. And and also one thing uh, I should well, let's just jump into the these super bosses uh, right now. The uh, Digital Devil Saga has a bunch of end game optional bosses, and. They um, convey some pretty okay rewards. You get special classes from four of them. King Frost, Beelzebub, uh, Koryu, and Michael, I think? Is, uh, uh, Michael's I, I... in the sequel. I oh, don't remember okay. if he's who's, here. No, no, who, who's the one that you fight here? I, I never did that one. I only, I only did King Frost and Beelzebub in my first playthrough. Um, well, after you defeat all the Su Ling, you fight uh, Huang Long. Oh yeah, which is oh, which, 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 which is which is oh it's Metatron. Metatron. Okay, yeah. I, I I use the Japanese name Koryu, but the um because very confusingly for the, the Siu Ling are uh, are four uh, beasts from uh, Chinese myth. I think each of them represents a quadrant of the night sky. Maybe that's in, right. They're also cardinal. Right. Um, yeah, the cardinal, so direc cardinal directions. Yeah, and uh, and in the uh, an anime I used to love dearly, Yu Yu Hakusho, there are four monsters that you fight that they fight in the underworld. But they use um, they use the Chinese names in uh, in Digital Devil Saga and in in the Persona games and in later Shin Megami Tensei games they use the Japanese names. So mm. it's, it's so it's so the final boss in the the ceiling quest is Huang Long in DDS and Ko which is Ko Ryu, the big golden dragon in uh, mm -hmm. of the, the the golden dragon of the center I should say, <laughs> in mm -hmm. uh, in the Persona series. 
And uh, but the, the one annoying thing about I think this is true of Huang Long, Metatron, and the Demi Fiend. You have to get to the very final save point in the tower in the uh, in the tower. That's right. Of, of, of Sarasrala, <laughs> and, 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 and then backtrack all the way out of it. Uh, before those quests are even unlocked, which is why, which is the exactly the reason why I did those earlier um, boss quests, Beelzebub and King Frost, and never did the others. Mm. But they're worth they're they're worth doing if you want to if if you're interested in playing the sequel. I I am interested in doing those, and I was and when I was uh, playing this for the podcast, that I intended to do them, but again, I just. Like, I I was really busy these past two weeks, and uh, yeah, and and I even did some RPG fan writing, which is not something I I do a lot, and that and that took up a lot of my set aside work on RPG fan things time. <laughs> it's it's not something to do for an episode of Retro Encounter, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's 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 extra homework. <laughs> but those boss fights are cool. Uh, the 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 Ling ones where you you fight, you have to fight the four. Uh, um, the, the first the four beasts and then you fight Kovryu seem to be a bit of an ec- an exercise in uh, weakness mitigation because each mm. of them is exclusively one elemental type uh, one type of elemental damage and mm-hmm. which is uh, and this is me doing research and watching YouTube again I haven't fought these guys before and then Kovryu himself or Huang Long himself is cycles through weaknesses and different attack types and is very powerful and does a lot of damage but the um but that boss fight seems unusually choreographed he'll always have the same attack pattern so even yeah. though, even though he's very powerful and has a lot of defenses if you know that attack pattern you can work around it and beat him is my we, inter- we've, is my interpretation we've seen this kind of boss in Shin Megami Tensei before the one that you know like changes configuration to um change its its spells and weaknesses and um in fact, well, I don't think it has any weaknesses, but it's like it's it changes its uh, defenses. Um, but yeah, as you said, it is very, very choreographed. It's it's really mitigated by that. And I mean, that's interesting to me at some level. Like uh, determine, like the I guess the uh, the loop of solving that boss fight would be determining the pattern or looking it up ahead of time, and then you know oh. strategizing around that pattern. And it's a cool boss fight. I mean, I always like fusing uh, Kovryu in uh, in Persona games because he always has big defenses and either lightning or healing uh, spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's they're all, he's always at the end of the Hierophant social link, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean, that's maybe the maybe the most interesting of the uh, boss fights to me. Beelzebub is sort of more tr- of a traditional boss fight. He's my favorite, though. Just like the whole, um, yeah. you, you, uh, just a, a regular angry man transforming mm-hmm. into Beelzebub. I love that. And it, I mean, the, the giant Lord of the Flies design for the Shin Megami Tensei Beelzebub is a is a cool monster design. Yeah. Uh, and, and that one is the one I did I I have done before. And the and the reward the quest reward's pretty good. What does that class give you? I'm trying to remember. I I think that gives you his Death Flies ability. Right, and and, and maybe I've, some and maybe some good weakness mitigation thing. I'm I'm assuming. Uh, I th- I've got it. I can't remember what it does, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and do they have some? They have some bonuses that carry over to Digital Devil Saga Two. You mentioned. Yes, I yes. think I think all of the boss fights, including Demi Fiend, have um some kind of uh some kind of is it an accessory that that carries over? Yeah, there's um you equip rings in the sequel. Um, okay. 
The Demi Fiend, like his ring isn't even the best ring you can get, so it's like really not even worth fighting him. But the Beelzebub one uh, protects the wearer against death attacks, and it's really, really handy early that, in the game. That is, that is handy, because there's an abundance of death attacks in these games. Yeah, and like for, you know, uh, conversely, Metatron gives you um, immunity to expel, and like Hama. That's also so. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so each each of them awards you a ring in in the uh, in the sequel. And uh, maybe we've been dancing around it. The demi fiend is the main character of Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, the mm-hmm. uh, the boy with unusual tattoos or markings on him. And uh, I I think you can only fight the demi fiend in a new game plus of Digital Devil Saga, and he is brutal, that's right. He is brutally difficult. I have heard horror stories of it as being one of the most difficult optional bosses in RPG history. I've never attempted to fight him before, and I don't know if I'm interested in doing it, because uh, it, it, there's even probably too much randomness in uh, in being able to beat him or not, and that doesn't appeal to me. I uh, Even if I do follow through and finish this playthrough and carry it over to Digital Level Saga 2, I don't think I'm fighting the Demi Fiend. I, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him, but I don't think it would be a serious attempt. You know, like I, I liked seeing all the um, cameo bosses in um, the 3DS Soul Hackers, but um, I didn't really make a serious attempt on any of them. I just wanted to see them in there. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's cool. At least that this uh, game has a bunch of um, Shin Megami Tensei demons as uh, optional boss battles. It's interesting to say to see that, and it, it was uh, cool beating up on some of my favorite personas. <laughs> When I when I did these boss fights, or I did the first two of these boss fights uh, a, cu- a couple of years ago when I played this game, because, I mean, I was fighting this with a context, oh, these are all personas that I could summon, even though they're more accurately SMT demons that you can summon. So anyway, um, I think it's enough talk about optional boss fights. Let's go back to the oh. main game. Oh, I what? wanted to mention. Oh. I wanted to mention very, very quickly. Um, oh, it's just something, something that the sequel does. Um, and this isn't this isn't a spoiler because it's not plot related. But like mm-hmm. how DDS one has the has the four um, the four Suling and then Huang Long. Uh, DDS two has the four Archangels, and it's got like this really cool thing that they do in the plot where. Um, you know, it's just ordinary people, but then they they transform into you know Michael and and Gabriel. Um, and the other two, who I can't remember, Raphael and, uh, and Uriel. That's right. There you go. Um, and they like they're they're losing their sanity, and they're they're like speaking like there's still there's still humanity inside of me, but now I have this um, unquenchable urge to become an exterminating angel and bring about Yahweh's um, will. <laughs> and that's uh, that's really fun. Is there a cap off boss fight after you, after Michael, or is um is Michael the last of just the last of the four, and that's it? Uh, I'm pretty sure there is a I'm pretty sure there is a um final uh final battle tying them all together, but um I, know, I, I know didn't Satan, get that far. I know Satan is like the DDS two super boss that you have to be. That's Maybe like that's the it. Of the demi fiend, I think. Well, so that's cool. But let's um back it up a little bit and talk about the story proper. Uh, where we left off, um. I believe that uh, we defeated Bat and Kamazots at the end of the ship, and they finally we started, yeah, we started interacting with the wolves and the brutes. And I, I think that the, the, those two leaders are an interesting contrast because you have Lupa with the wolves, who is extremely honorable, and uh, and the and your your characters, especially Gale, like be, have a like uh, they're very cautious at first, but then they develop a. Um, a maybe slightly begrudging respect for him 
uh, as you go through the mandatory sewer dungeon and then fight his, uh, you end up fighting his avatar form when he loses his mind a little bit. But and he loses his mind because of Ravana's powers, correct? That's right. Right. Um, I didn't see it as a begrudging respect. I saw it as, like, they had quite a deep respect yeah, for him, like, and it, it was a trage tragedy what happened to him. Yeah, well, you're right. It, it was a genuine respect. Um, but, I mean, I, I think they were definitely cautious at first because they, you know, these oh, yeah. these people existed to fight each other at one point. And, uh, and then, by contrast, you have the leader of the Brutes, Varen, who is, uh, seems fully aware of his other life. Call him back. Yeah, right. Uh, because he's a loser. Why don't you kill him? <laughs> but we mentioned this in the previous episode. These characters are are developing personalities and feelings and emotions as the game goes on, and it and it becomes more clear in the second half of DDS one that they're remembering a past life of some kind, and that they and they're not sure why or who the, or who these people that they are becoming are. But uh, Varen or Beck totally. Uh, completely remembers who he was in whatever there was before the junkyard. So that's, uh, and I think he might be the only character in the entire game who has that level of awareness other, other than the, uh, other than the manipulating angel that's, you know, running the show. So, uh, so yeah, thoughts on Lupa and Beck. So, so someone besides me is talking for once. After you, Peter. I mean, truth, truth be told, like, like I said, I haven't really caught up yet. So I do like, I think Beck seems like a very interest, like an interesting persona. I, I like that cut scene where he's like arguing with Angel, um, that little flashback, because um, again, that's a broader hint to the narrative to come. And um, one thing, and one thing about this game that I think is, uh, can be a little difficult to make it a little more impen not impenetrable, but a little difficult to get into compared to your personas or other SMT games is because of how long it takes for the characters to, um, to kind of become realized. They start up. And that's an, like I said, it's an interesting side like concept. These people are becoming more aware of their humanity. Um, and, and developing personalities, eventually they start growing into more developed characters. But at first, it, 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 it kind of becomes hard to latch onto because they act so detached and alien. Um, and so I appreciate. I, so I think back. I think back being like suddenly now, I have become self-aware, and I'm kind of pissed about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, a, is an interest. I think that's an interesting like. Um, portents of what's to come yeah exactly that that cutscene where beck argues with angel really threw me off the first time i i uh, played this game because i i got the idea oh he's way further along in his you know emotion evolution or whatever you want to call that than most of the other characters are what the hell is going on why is this even happening that was you know thoughts running through my head like seeing that uh cutscene and it's uh it's cool foreshadowing, but also he's, uh, I mean, Beck is a serious asshole because his um, one of his powers that his avatar has is to force hunger into into other uh, people transformed into demons, and he uses that power on Lupa and forces him Lupa to transform into Cerberus. And I, I think in the previous episode I mentioned that Kamazots is the only avatar not inspired by Hindu folklore or, uh, um, you know, Central Asian folklore, and I was wrong because there's also Cerberus. I've forgotten mm. all. I've forgotten all about that dude, um, and that Cerberus boss fight is a little tricky if you don't have fire protection on, because he just he is just a lot of offense. 
Mm-hmm. You really need those um, uh, stat uh, debuffs, and um, the Dikunda and Dikaja um, work wonders there as well. Yeah, those two and Null Fire if you can afford it, because his uh, yeah. his, his big fire spell that I don't want to try to pronounce right now is uh, does a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And I, I had read this in a when I was playing this game for the first time, uh, but if you have a save file from this game carrying on to the second one, then Gale learns that fire spell, uh, in the late late in the game in DDS2, which is very appealing to me. It's like yeah, that, that's mm. something I probably want. Um, so yeah, yeah, infiltrating the brute space like uh, you fight Cerberus at the roughly the halfway point, and then you fight Ravana roughly the end point. And um, the, Cer- yeah. the Cerberus boss fight is just a lot of. I mean, there's three heads, two of which regenerate a lot of uh, a lot of fire attacks and physical attacks. So having null fire and uh, and debuffing that enemy is is very helpful. And in the second and the Ravana fight, which I think is easier than the Cerberus fight, but a little bit has a little bit more uh, gimmicks around it. <laughs> he uh, he'll disappear into one of you know six empty space locations, and you have to hit him with an attack to have him reveal himself and then deal damage to him and then he turtles up and starts uh and starts making your uh characters fight each other with his hunger spell or whatever it is it, which is like it's it's it, it's a little bit more technical than the Cerberus fight but it's uh, a little easier cuz he doesn't deal nearly as much damage and uh and it's a cool little bit of uh folklore i guess um his avatar Ravana is the um is the the quote unquote final boss of the Ramayana, the demon that the demon that Rama mm-hmm. that Rama is trying to rescue his uh, um, rescue? What's her? Oh shoot! Is it, is it Lakshmi? No. Yeah. Right. Mm, yeah. I'm I, not familiar enough with the Ramayana. I'm oh, afraid. Shoot. I can't. I can't remember the. I can't remember the girl in the Ramayana. I, I uh, Sita is Rama's wife, apparently. Uh, Sita. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So Rama's rescuing Sita from uh, from Ravana, who is in Sri Lanka. <laughs> yeah, the the king of Sri Lanka, I believe. Yeah. Or the, well, the king deity, rather. Mm-hmm. And his and he has Hanuman is his uh, is his sort of most prominent buddy that accom- that accompanies him through the uh, through the journey. And Hanuman might be the exact same figure as the monkey king from Chinese folklore, but it's uncertain, like which is the chicken and egg in that situation. Um, and is 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 uh is Sun Wukong in in Shin Megami Tensei games? He is, remember. yeah. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah, that's right. Oh, she, he has a different name though. Uh, no, he he is uh, Sun Wukong. Uh, in the Persona games, he's Satan Taisei. That's what. That's what. Oh, I was that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm confusing myself with right. Japanese versus they, Chinese game names again. <laughs> they made him Sun Wukong again in SMT4. Oh, okay. That's cool. So yeah. Um, where were we? Uh, the Ram- we were talking Ram- about. We were talking um, about the Ramayana and the Brute Space and. Lupa right. and Varen. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm all over the place this episode. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I wanted to feel right. sympathy for Lupa. Um, it's kind of difficult though because you know, like, yeah, I feel for him and his kid, but he's too much of like the magical Native American for me. You know, he he's he's incredibly cliche, just like the honorable tribesman, and it, it's just a little bit absurd, especially. Uh, uh, when paired up with um, some of the other uh, tribe leaders, he feels really, really out of place and pretty stereotypical. Um, I think I think that the visual design of him uh, contributes to that stereotype more than a little yeah. bit because I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the hair and the markings 
really do have that uh, sort of North American shamanistic look to him. And, mm-hmm. and magical Native American is is a uh, is a fair criticism of what his kind of character is. I, I liked him as this honorable character that you feel bad for having to defeat in the same way that I uh, similar to Janana. But, oh, I love um, having a boss that you don't hate that yeah. you have to fight. And but it, I think I I think I felt more strongly about Janana because they they uh, pace um, your relationship with her over a longer period, and I think that uh, her you know her her design and look aren't as problematic as uh as lupa's but yeah if they had introduced lupa a little earlier and if his design wasn't so obviously you know mm-hmm. you know like t hawk from street fighter 2 yeah. then i would uh, then i i would like him a little better but ag- the, again the token magical minority who's written to die in the story and it's yeah. just a bit uh. oh boy uh, yeah we don't we don't need more of those but, but Varen omega on the other hand i like him a lot um, oh, yeah. You know, the, the sociopathic, hard military man. He reminds me a lot of General from Akira. Mm. Um, yeah, I, get, I can see that. And, I, you know, I like his dungeon a lot. Well, I, I feel like it's, it's cool, but it just draws things out too much. And I would have appreciated a little bit more plot than a bunch of um, boss battles leading up to him that don't really add a whole lot. But, um, you know, this, this, you know, even his dungeon reminds me quite a bit of Akira, like the, the facility where the psychic children are being kept. Like a decrepit version of that. Yeah, and um, that that whole dungeon is it reminded me of the uh, of Mick the Slug's base a little bit in that it's sort of a big, interesting stronghold with a lot going on. Yeah, and uh, and, uh, and again, we're talking about the, this game having really cool dungeon design that is uh, that you know has its problems manifest in other ways, but. Uh, well, something occurred to me when I was uh, fighting um, when I was fighting uh, Varen Omega, and um, like it definitely didn't occur to me when I first played this game, and I was like surprised that it didn't come to me earlier. But um, so I, it's it's dawned on me that the junkyard is um, it's a metaphor for the realm of hungry ghosts uh, from the Wheel of Samsara. So oh, okay, I'm, Samsara, not I'm not familiar with this. Go on, please. Samsara is the um, Hindu cycle of uh, death and rebirth, and samsara reaches its end when um, uh, w- when living beings uh, achieve enough knowledge to reach nirvana. Um, and if you fail to reach nirvana in your lifetime, your karma accrual sends you to one of six afterlife locations. So like from best to worst, there's like the realm of divas, which is basically heaven. Um, but because it's so... Um, hedonistic, um, that means there's like a lack of spiritual pursuits, which means you can't achieve nirvana in a lifetime in heaven. And then, you know, you have to repeat the cycle. And then below that, there's the realm of Asuras, where, you know, these supernatural, um, angry deities live. And below that is the, the human world, where your rebirth as a human is, and what your circumstance is, is governed by your karma. Uh, and that's considered to be a desirable look desirable position because that will allow you to gain more knowledge and have another shot at reaching nirvana and ending the cycle and below that is the animal realm where you come back as an animal and then below that is the realm of hungry ghosts where uh everybody comes back as a preta you know um which you know is seen in the smt series the the endlessly hungry ghost who is is gluttonous and just constantly needs to fill um fill a, a insatiable hunger 
um, until they pay off all their bad karma and get to repeat the cycle again. And then, you know, even lower than that is hell, Naraka. Um, so as we see at the end of this game, like, yes, these, these people have, in fact, no, as we see in the, the battle with Varen Omega, yes, these people have been cast into an afterlife, um, location where they all have to just eat endlessly and endlessly and endlessly. And, um, I thought that was a really, really smart, um, a really, really smart metaphor they've put together here. And maybe the tower represents ascending to one heaven above the realm of, of the realm of hungry ghosts. Well, it's supposed to be uh, uh, reaching Nirvana, isn't it? That's that's the ultimate well, goal, and Nirvana exists yeah, at the yeah, top yes, of the tower. Yes, but I mean, if this is a if this is I mean a metaphor for samsara, then the uh, it skips some steps going from the realm of of hungry ghosts to Nirvana. Well, um, spoilers: it goes to the human world. Okay. And that, and that makes sense with, um, you know... It does. Nirvana is not Nirvana. <laughs> right. Well, that, that makes sense with the uh, end cutscenes of the game as well. That's right. So, uh, should we talk about the tower a little bit? I, I'm sorry, Peter, if you haven't uh, um, played this far. No, that, it's okay. I, I, that, I, I, I am familiar with some of the ending... Uh, the other stuff that goes on at the ending and the lead end of Digital Devil Saga 2. Um... So, yeah, please, spoil away. Because, well, I mean, consistent with a lot of the other dungeons in the game, it is enormous and cool, but a bit mm-hmm. of a, uh, a bit of a woof, maybe not, maybe don't finish it in one sitting kind of deal. Because, uh, man, that Sounds thing is... Sounds like an SMT final dungeon to me. <laughs> yeah, it's not as circuitous or confusing as something like that, uh, like, like that world map that Rob showed me at the end of um, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse, which... Yeah. Uh, which you know looks like something out of a nightmare, but um, yeah, it's not, it, it, it's not that bad. Yeah, this one's not that bad in comparison. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! In, wait, really? The one in oh, the one oh, in apocalypse? oh, no, never, never mind. Yeah, that's horrible. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah, that's way worse than this. Yeah, this one's not bad, but it is, but it is long, and there's a lot of boss fights in it. And I, uh, this moment that sticks out in my memory of being like the most striking and cool moment is when you head into the basement where everybody's being reborn in the sea of milk and, mm-hmm. and the, the serpent King Vasuki is, is churning the milk and, um, it comes out to attack you. Um, it's kind of like a nightmarish moment. I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a bunch of cool boss fights in general. Cause you, and you have to fight, um, Garuda and Jatayu either uh, at the same time, I think. It, yeah. It, it, around the around the midpoint, or maybe a little bit past the midpoint, it, it, there's just a, a really a bunch of really cool um, non-random encounter scenes going up the tower that uh, made it, you know, a, a pretty memorable sequence. The entire final dungeon for me, and the, the, the dialogue with uh, the angel who you fight as as Harihara, hmm. I, I still I still don't understand everything that 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 happens in that exchange. <laughs> But and I and I assume it makes more sense once you play the second game. But of course, I haven't done that yet. Yeah, um, I'm not going to give anything away other right. than um, yeah, you you're in the the human world and you you're finding out what exactly all this means. Awesome! I want to find out exactly what all this means. So I will play that game eventually, but I I don't know exactly when that'll happen. <laughs> it's a it's a time sink. <laughs> yeah, and there's always too but many I, video games. I'd love games. for us to do another episode on it. Yeah, I, I think that when, uh, if and when Peter and I, or maybe just one of us, 
plays the second game, we'll have a one-off episode on it. But I, I don't know if it'll be a full two-part game journal because we'll, we'll yeah, see what that the, would we'll, be a big ask. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a big ask, and we'll see what kind of time demands we have for future episodes. But I mean, how good is Shin Megami Tensei at incorporating myth? It is so cool. All of these designs that it, I, I feel like every time I play a new SMT game, I feel like I'm learning more about oh, e- either about a a a mythology I'm not familiar with, or even more demons in Solomon's Key, or something. I mean, they. The thing is, they they always do their homework. They always bring their A game, and that's what I think makes this series so special. And, and by doing so, it inspires um, well, it inspires me anyway. And I'm sure um, the same can be said of of yourselves and many of its fans to do their further research and and get more familiar with some of these. Um, religious and mythological figures that um you might not have context for before so um i think it's it's great that it's oh borscht is right here uh hey borscht um mm-hmm. uh, I, I think i think it's great that they're you know kind of it, it's it's more than than bahamut being a dragon instead of a fish you know they're they're really um <laughs> i don't know it, it, it inspires a lot of uh learning um and how useful that learning will be um <laughs> Who can say? Probably not very. It's really trivial, but um, well, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's uh, if anything, the incongru- I notice the incongruities more than I notice the uh, like the depth and breadth of the myths that they touch because uh-huh. it, it um like like, like Ravana is supposed to be a multi-headed, multi-armed demon like like a lot of asuras and and uh, and devas in um, Central Asian folklore. But instead, yeah, they take a lot of liberties in yeah, this game. But, but, main... inst- but instead, they have it be sort of this ki- unusual Kaneko design with long arms and a small mouth that becomes a large mouth, which is, yeah. uh, which is you, you know, a, I think more attached to the metaphor of hunger or the concept of hunger than what Ravana looks like in myth. And, it, and they, maybe this, this is very unimportant, but it's always bothered me that, um, except in Persona 3 and in this game, uh, most SMT games have Cerberus as a lion with a snake tail, and I, I, I yeah, don't, that's I don't, like a manacore. It's really yeah, I, I don't it always know, throws me. I don't know why that is because I mean, and the and uh, the, the this design of Cerberus is cool, and I mean the Koromaru Cerberus that's a uh, that's I think a Doberman or a um the, with with three with three heads is like these are really good interpretations of Cerberus, and then you have this dumb white lion thing in every other game. Why is that? Uh, well, because I think I, they're I'm trying, not, they're, I'm, they're trying to do like a Pokemon thing of evolving Orthus into Cerberus and it doesn't really work like that. <laughs> oh, but, but, mm-hmm. but Orthus is a two headed dog. So, uh, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so why does, they so, took his head away. So why do they take one head away? One. Yeah. They, <laughs> uh, it's, they are confused. <laughs> Yeah, man, they they should incorporate a like a a, a one-headed dog like a, I don't know maybe Garm from Norse myth or something, and then have like Garm to Orthrus to Cerberus would be a great three-stage Pokemon evolution for the SMT world. But no, that they, would be pretty sweet. They they, they they don't go that direction, and it's frustrating. It's like, man, why is Cerberus a white lion? That is, I have said that way too many times. Being a you know literalist mythological asshole that I am. Yeah, I mean they could. Um... <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> but but they've, they, they've already got a manacore as well, so they've basically just got like two manticores. And well, a manticore is a, a a human-faced lion with a serpent. That's got a with, snake with, tail, with, right? I thought it was a scorpion and tail. And bat wings? I thought it's a scorpion tail for a manticore. A scorpion tail, yeah, that's right. I'm not... They may or may not have wings, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think it, it does have wings. It's a chimera that usually doesn't have wings. 
Oh, maybe I'm thinking of that. No, no, Chimera doesn't have wings. I think Manticores maybe do have wings. Because, okay, Manticores in one of the old Heroes of Might and Magic games I played definitely did have wings, because it was the only flying unit that Warlock mm. Town had. Mm. But that that is a strategy magic-y game and not an RPG. So we're not going to have a Heroes of Might and Magic three episode anytime soon. Um, we could have a we could have a Might and Magic three episode. We could. Oh God, but, who uh, wants? To I go, don't think anybody wants to. Yeah, who wants to go back and play one of those? <laughs> not me, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. So if that if that somehow happens, I won't ho- I won't be hosting that one. Peter. Hmm. Mm? Might and Magic three. Mm-hmm. You you dig it? Uh, I, I I might dig it. Can I dig it? <laughs> sure. I, no man. Now, now I'm thinking of just the the uh, the can you dig it scene from the beginning of the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a, that's something we should do a podcast on. How the Warriors basically created Final Fight and Streets of Rage. Those famous RPGs. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really informed so much of, of <laughs> Japanese game game design for a while. Yeah, God. Like between the Warriors and Escape from New York and. I guess maybe Star Wars and Alien. How many? How many? How much Japanese games were informed by those four sci- sci-fi movies? That's so good. It's an enormous amount. Every gamer in the world needs to watch Escape from New York and The Warriors because they, they'll see so much, so much of their favorite video games in those movies. Mm. And I and I and I, I say that unironically because I I love both of those. Um. So, our man, all right, we've gone from talking about uh, Central Asian folklore to Escape from New York starring Kurt Russell. So, I'd, I'd, how close are we to the end of the podcast? I don't even know anymore. Well, I've been reading, I've been reading the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, first you, yeah, talk about the book. Yeah, yeah you, you brought up Quantum Devil Saga um, in the previous episode, and it's a, mm-hmm. a series of, what was it, five or seven books in Japan? Five. Five, and and the first two are available in English of, and with official translations. So have you have you read one or both of those first two? Uh, I have. I wasn't able to get onto book two. Um, I have read the bulk of book one. Um, it's. Um, I think it's a worthy, a worthy video game adaptation. Um, and that's a very very low bar to clear. Um, but it's um, it's almost grimmer than the game. Um, it. It, it does it, it it does this thing that that books do a lot better than visual media, and that is, um, you know, in depth descriptions of um, exactly how um, horrifying and painful these uh, body transformations are uh, to uh, to undergo, and um, you know, like a, a a a feeling of of pain that is so. Um, so so overpowering that it breaks the mind and um so so you know hearing about hearing the um the embryons um how they're feeling by going going through this it's um it's got some harrowing moments so it really gets into the the hunger and transformation body horror elements of this gate of the of digital level saga in in maybe greater depth or greater detail it does. Um, it also gets into like the spell casting of the series in um, in an interesting way. It doesn't always work because I mean, like throwing fireballs. I mean, <laughs> um, I don't care a whole lot about that. But um, there's some descriptions of like um, Argila using her uh, gravity magic and just like tearing nasty bloody holes through uh, through her foes. Um, Harley gets bisected by one of these attacks. 
Um, and um, Harley's transformation in particular, and a lot of the villains' transformations, um, when they don't, when they would correspond to to an SMT demon rather than a demon that belongs in um, this mythology, um, it's kind of like a, a Tetsuo esque. Um, you know, like swelling and tendrils reach out, and um, I, I would add, I would add Akira to the list of films that every video game or RPG enjoyer should watch. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it it gets pretty pretty gory and and body horror-y, and and um, there's not really um, there's not really any room for some of the comic relief moments that happen in the game. It's very very straight laced. Um, it's pretty well written too and well translated. So. Um, I would recommend those. Um, Gale's interesting too. I mean, he's he's basically a mentat. He's he's a complete ripoff of, of Hawat from uh, from Dune. Um, but they they go into more um, detail as to how how Gale exists and, and and what it means to to be in his role. They've given him this special role as as a bishop, and every tribe has their own bishop who who is essentially um, a, a mentat from Dune. And like they're born with these special abilities, and then they're like taken away to be uh, trained and conditioned to be the, a human computer. And like his hood's not just a cool, stylish thing; it's like filled with um, uh, electrodes and a connection to the to the central computer of the Karma Temple to like you know feed him feed him information, and he's recording things through his eyes. Um, it's um, it's a nice fleshing out of um, you know the stoic tactician into. Um, uh, like an a um, I guess like an unabused and tortured um, subset of the population of this world. See, now that's really interesting, and that's that's the kind of background I kind of wish was in the the main game a little bit. Yeah, it really excels there, where the game kind of yeah because doesn't go as far. But yeah. that's also the kind of thing that a detail that would be easier to convey in a book than in a game. Well, I mean. Which which you went into a little bit before describing uh, parts of the book, Rob, mm-hmm. and I mean, this gets this has me very interested in reading those two books that are available in English. Do we know if they're going to eventually do the whole series, or if that's uh, or if, if they're sort of mum on that? Because it, it was something like two or three years between the English releases of the first two. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was three years, and like this, this is the second book. I don't even think it got announced. I think it just like dropped out of nowhere. Um, unless i'm mistaken but it, that's what it seemed like to me so i was like oh wow because i was waiting to get this first book for a really long time because i was just thinking well like if the others aren't going to come uh, who knows but um you know doing this podcast inspired me to want to to want to read it i really do hope they bring out the remaining three books because they they stretch out this story the first book just covers like um from the prologue up to the up to um the fight with janana and the second book carries on from there so um, I, this, uh, the whole, uh, the whole so, quantum devil saga is, is going to be a long one. So d- does quantum devil saga cover the events of both games or just the first game? Uh, I, th- that's a good question. I think huh. it would be both games. I hope it would be both games. Cause I'd like to see what they do with that. It seems like you couldn't really just do one without the other. I, I would agree. I also that can't I, see that I this being spread out games. to five books. <laughs> Excellent. I I also I am very interested in those books and now recording this and and playing parts of the first game again has me more interested in reading those. So, and 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 you said it was uh, they're written by the person who uh, 
who who worked on this game as a writer but had to drop out of the project and then revisited the project in this series of books, right? Um, uh, that that's right. Okay. Uh, Yugo Dai. She did um, she did some other adaptations as well. Uh, Panzer Dragoon and an adaptation of Valkyrie Profile. Oh, weird. Um, I, so but I, I'm not really Japan only. Are you familiar with any of her of Yugo Dai's other works? Because I'm I don't know the first thing about her writing. Um, I know that she did Glass Rose, which was um, adapted by uh, Capcom into a, a Japan and Europe only uh, adventure game about time travel. Huh. But um, the Quantum Devil Saga, they're, they're, those are the only books that are in, in English. So I'm uh, pretty unfamiliar with hmm. with her work. Okay, well, I, I may jump into Yugo Dai's oeuvre maybe even later this year. We'll see, because I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I am interested in those Quantum Devil Saga books at least. But all right, if we've moved from you know Hindu folklore to s- late '70s, early '80s action sci-fi movies into the you know works of Hugh Godai, I think we're at the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> we unless, might very well be. Unless uh, anyone has a specific thing they want to bring up before we close out. No, not particularly. Do we want to just do some kind of final uh, general thoughts? Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I think this game is cool and stylish, and I wish the random encounter rate was so high, but if any of this sounds cool, or if you are more interested in the greater SMT universe, I would heartily recommend Digital Devil Saga 1. And, uh, okay. Um, no. Rob, uh, uh, Rob, you go next. Uh, same here. I think this is... this. Uh, foibles aside, and those are mostly due to the random encounter rate... Uh, and some of the length of some of these dungeons, um, I think this this is still remains one of my favorite PS2 RPGs. And um, if you if you have time, which a lot of us don't these days, now that we're older, um, I would I would say dig into it. But I mean, do do be prepared. Like I was doing the Samsara uh, tunnels while on the exercise bike, and like it took me over an hour. So I got a good workout. But um, you know, nowadays like. Because my time is limited, I want something where like I can pick up and like do a discrete session and feel like I'm making progress. But um, if I'm, you know, spending over an hour in a sewer, <laughs> it's a bit. Mm. Come on. <laughs> if if you're a fan of SMT, um, I think these these are unmissable. You might not have to play both, but I'd say at least play the first one and then look into the second one. Yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as you in terms of the mechanics and the like. I think it's a good, it's a really good game. The I love the classic SMT style, but um, as life goes on and time becomes more limited, um, we come to appreciate those quality of life improvements a lot more. I think, and um, I would love to see Atlas revisit this series, and give it the, maybe give it the HD remake treatment. But um, other than that, um, I don't want to say that I'm disappointed entirely because I think the setting is really cool. And I think now that the further you get on, the characters start to become more developed, like I said. But I think that slow start um, is a kind of, might be kind of a bear to overcome if you're here for the story. Um, it definitely yeah. has a it, it definitely has a really cool premise, but it takes a while for the characters to really start developing. And I think that's um, that also had a bit of an impact on my engagement with it. Um, but I'm I'm definitely curious to see this one through. I I um. I just got a new, uh, 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 well, a new. I found I got an old CRT for like twenty bucks, so um, I'm gonna be playing playing this game in not eye searing uh, quality anymore. And 
and who knows? I'm, I want to get back. I have the second one, so we'll see where this goes. Rad. Great. Yeah, I uh, have an old, I think, 32-inch CRTV that was sitting in my basement for a couple years. And I, I live in a townhouse, so I had to t- take it up to my room. I had to go up two long flights of stairs carrying that damn yeah, thing. Yeah, I got But that was for when I... Uh, for when we played Shadow Hearts earlier this year, so I was very fortunate to have it, uh, to have it handy for when I continued on to play uh, uh, Tales of the Abyss and now Digital Level Saga. So yeah, I'm not taking that thing back downstairs just just because. No kidding, it just stays there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is here for good now. Um, sorry, next person that moves into this house. So. Yeah, Digital Devil <laughs> Saga. Uh, we all three of us like it and recommend it, but there are some caveats involved, and it's uh, it's not a short or uh, breezy game at all. Which I mean, being none none of the three of us are in high school anymore, so we don't <laughs> we don't have as much time as we used to, which is you know a very sad capstone to this podcast. I'm afraid. And, and I know so I know someone listening to this is probably just going to be like, oh, y'all just need to like. Just get good and, and put aside your responsibilities and focus on the games. But uh, yeah, I don't bro, think I have a mortgage. Good or, uh... <laughs> I can't do that, anonymous internet person with way too much time on their hands. Yeah, I'm still an anonymous internet person, but I no longer have way too much time on my hands, so I am not making that comment on GameFAQs.com anymore. Oh, boy. <laughs> so that's it for episode 106. Thank you so much, listeners, for putting up with us. We have a lot of exciting content in Retro Encounter in the coming weeks. Next week, we're having a special Halloween episode, which I will not be on, but I'm looking forward to this, uh, to hear what haunting and or spooky things that the Retro Encounter panelists have to discuss there. But I will be on the episode following that, because Josh Curry is going to come out of retirement for him and I to discuss Blizzard games like we do every November. And so that that will be two weeks from this episode, and after that, I think uh, I think I've been playing coy about this a little bit too much, maybe on the podcast. At the end of every episode, we've been like, "Oh, but uh, we have something special planned for November!" Ha ha ha! And maybe be like playing a little unfair doing that. We're gonna be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Final Fantasy at the end of the year here on Retro Encounter. There's going to be um, similar content going on on the main site. A lot of a lot of essays, a lot of special uh, cross-site features that all three of the all three of us here have contributed towards, but those won't be showing up right now. Uh, next month in November, you'll see the first of the RPG Fan Final Fantasy anniversary content, and we're gonna have four Retro Encounter episodes in a row, all about Final Fantasy-specific topics. That is um, middle and end of November, and I believe the first week of December. We're gonna have four. Final Fantasy episodes in a row of Retro Encounter. I believe two of them will be about specific games, and two of them will be about sort of uh, not game-specific topics, but I, I won't say exactly what those are yet, so to, you know, to still play a little coy for now. Officially, Final Fantasy 1 came out in Japan in December of 1987, so we are going to be exactly on time in celebrating Final Fantasy in fall and winter of 2017. Yeah. Yeah, please look forward to it. I I don't I know I mean I know everyone's Final Fantasy experience is different, but just about everyone on staff in in RPG fan has something to say about Final Fantasy. So those features and in these podcasts and maybe even uh, and maybe even Rob will do do something for uh, 
for random encounter or Scott and Kristoff uh, and those other guys will be streaming some Final Fantasy stuff. There's going to be a lot of Final Fantasy going on in RPG Fan in November and maybe also early December. And we're all really excited to share all the stuff we've been working on with you guys. But that at the time of this publishing, not quite yet. Wait a couple more weeks. <laughs> so I think that's about all I need to say about the future of Retro Encounter for now. Oh, oh never mind. I, I, I lied. We're, right after the Final Fantasy stuff is done, we're going to have two episodes about Breath of Fire 4 in December, That was which uh, the public voted on following our episode 100 poll. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, there's going to be no two-part game journal in November, but December we're having Breath of Fire 4 over two, discussed over two episodes. And um, uh, I... I think it's Peter. I think that's going to be you, Alana, and I. Is that correct? Is that who we have signed up? Yep. Yep. I think that's who's, right. that's who's going to be on it. I'm excited to check this one off my list. So, um, starting with you, Peter. If uh, a listener wants to get in touch with you somehow, how would they do so? Well, if a listener wants to get in touch with me, then they can look um, find me on Twitter at I Have Fury. That's the same as my forum handle. You can PM me on there, um, and you can also reach me at Peter T at RPGFan.com. Excellent. And Rob Fenner, same question to you. You can find me in the realm of Hungry Bobs. Uh, God, I'm starving <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on the boards as Towns Car Marty um, at the Halloween party. And I'm, um, I'm on Twitter at MissAnthroBob. And um, if you want to email me, you can find my email address. But, you know, you're not going to email me. I just get spam. <laughs> I mostly get spam, too. But I have gotten two emails from people insisting that I should play Kingdom Hearts. So if you want to do that, you should email me at Solosi at RPGFan.com or Retro at RPGFan.com. That's the Retro Encounter e- official email account, but I'm the one that checks it, so basically you're messaging me if you uh, email Retro at RPGFan.com. I'm Monsoon on the boards and at the Real Monsoon on Twitter for most of my stuff, but if I want to go on to a rant about Japanese superheroes, I use my second Twitter account, Evoker for Dogs. That's the best name. <laughs> I, I, was, I was very happy that that one wasn't taken when I wanted to just, you know, make lists about Persona characters and common writers. Thanks for uh, listening with us. We have been Retro Encounter. Thank you, good night, and good luck. In touch with the-